Thank you, Ben. So this is the first time I've ever done this. Um, And so I thought I would start um, with Genesis 1. Um, Not because, I mean, the beginning is a good place to start, but um, just knowing our congregation, we have a lot of creative people here. We've got artists, we've got musicians, we've got writers and photographers, we've got engineers. You know, almost everyone in the congregation makes something. And, you know, even if you're cooking, you're making something. You're creating an experience from start to finish. And so um, I thought it'd be cool to talk about creation. And I didn't go to Bible college. I didn't go to seminary. So my qualifications are from what I learned at art school. Um, And so um, in art school, we studied painting and we learned how to paint by looking at the masters and I had a book it was called how to paint like the old masters and it would take you know Rembrandt or da Vinci and it would show their process and um, it was cool and we'd also there was an art museum nearby and so we would go and like stroke for stroke we would study these paintings because the painter wasn't there to tell us what to do but there was evidence of their thought process and their methods in their work. And so um, from an artist's art school point of view, um, I thought it would be great to look at Genesis and just sort of break down God's creative process and then see how we can apply that when we are creating. Um, And then if you're wondering if I'm going to talk about animation, because that's what I do. um, Yes, we're going to... um, we're going to see how Dumbo kind of pulls it all together. <laughs> okay, so let's let's first turn to Genesis one, and if you've got your Bible, it's uh, at the beginning. And as I read this, um, look for patterns, look for things that occur more than once, or anything that sticks out. I mean, when we study painting, we do that. We're like, okay, just face value, what do you see, you know, and what makes this different? Okay. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated light from darkness, God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse between the waters, to separate water from water. So God made the expanse, and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. And it was so. God called the expanse sky. And there was evening, And there was morning the second day. And God said, Let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land, and gathered the waters, and the gathered waters he called seas, and God saw it was good. And then God said, 
Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit and seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seeds according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruits with seeds in it according to their kinds. And God saw it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them serve as signs to mark the seasons and days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. We're about halfway through. And God said, Let the water teem with living creatures. Let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living and moving thing with which the water teems, according to their kinds. And every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that move along the ground, and wild animals according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw it was good. And then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Roll over the fish of the seas and the birds of the air and over everything, over every living creature that moves on the ground. God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Okay, so that's the beginning of everything. Do you see any patterns forming? I mean, I when I read this, I mean, you grow up reading this. This is like basic Sunday school stuff. Um, and so you don't often think about what it means. But um, reading this again, there are some things that I got out of it. And first of all, it took six days to make everything. If God is omnipotent, why didn't he snap his fingers and just everything happened at once? Um, It didn't. He took time 
And so um, I think God enjoys the process. Like nothing is instant. He he gives us the example that every good thing takes work. You know, you can't expect it to happen instantly. And also, too, for every day um, that he was creating, what does it say? It was good. There was evaluation. Like he just wasn't making stuff and moving on. God would create something. And when he saw it was good, that's when the day was over. You know, so it, it suggests that there's quality there, that he's not just, you know, throw it out, move on. Um, there's, there's some effort that was put in. And then also, too, there's, there's a beautiful symmetry in everything. On each day that he creates, for everything that he makes, there's almost an opposite. We have light and dark. We've got the sun, the moon. We have day, night. We've got land, sea, birds, fish. You know, there's a balance there. And I think that tells us a lot about how he works, that he is very balanced. Um, so now let's look at it sort of day by day. Um, and so on day one, um, we have the words, in the beginning, God. And in um, in the Hebrew, the word is Elohim. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but it's plural. Um, so when it says God, there was more than one person. He said, let us create. Um, and so some scholars will say it's it's like the royal we. Um, you know, he's the king. He's creating his temple, his domain, um, which I think is true. But I think it's also, um, it's God is the Trinity. Jesus is there. Um, and we'll see that more when we get into the Dumbo part. Um, but, too, uh, you know, it, Jesus was present at, at creation. Um, and when you think about his occupation, he was a carpenter, typically, we think of that. Um, the word for that is tecton, um, which means craftsman. And there, some research says well, he was, could have been a carpenter. He also could have been um, a stonemason. The word is interchangeable. Um, and I'm not going to debate that, but I just think it's cool to think of Jesus as a stonemason and think of the things that he said. You know, like on this church, I will, or on this rock, I will build my church. You know, so many images he makes about rock and things. So um, that's just cool to think about. And also that Jesus's, you know, secular occupation was a craftsman. You know, he's a maker. Um, okay, so in day one, earth is formless and empty. And it says the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the deep. Um, when I read that, I imagine God is there in creation. He's not standing back. You know, he, he's in there and there's a certain anticipation there, um, which is cool. Um, and I'll explain why in a second. Um, and then God spoke, which is him taking action. It wasn't God thought. 
it was God spoke. Like he pulled the trigger on his creation. Um, and he said, let there be light. Um, you know, and I don't know, to me this always seemed obvious because, you know, it's like you start with light, everything was dark, you turn the lights on. Um, but in the context of our universe, um, light is um, is a universal constant. Like if you do any studying on like, you know, the cosmos or listen to Stephen Hawking, they talk about, you know, um, the origins of the universe. And basically, light is when time starts. You know, Einstein did research on light speed and theory of relativity. And, you know, we grow up learning there's nothing faster than light. Um, and so basically, scientifically speaking, before light existed, there wasn't any way to measure or know or even perceive the universe. Um, so the creation of light was also the creation of time. Um, and I think that's cool. Um, because it, it, at least I got from that is God is a God of time. Um, we think of time as something that sort of rules over everything. But I think it's important to realize that God created time. It's one of his creations. And so time is subordinate to him. He isn't subordinate to time. Um, and so the sort of the way that I think about that is if you think of an author who's writing, um, like C.S. Lewis, you know, writes the Chronicles of Narnia. Those books take place out of order um, because Lewis isn't bound by the timeline in these books. He can write them out of order, but for the characters, it's continuous. Um, and so I think of, you know, God with that too. He invented time, and so he invented it for us so we are subordinate to time, but God is not subordinate to time. Um, but then even more than that, um, I think God likes time. Um, you know, when you think of creation, you think of like mountains and rivers and the ocean. And you think God must think these beautiful because he made them this way. And I think time is another thing that he finds beautiful. Because if you look at creation, it's... It's six days. It's a process. And I think God likes the process. I mean, and you see this um, throughout the whole Bible. We have stories. You know, it's not just, you know, once upon a time everything was okay. It was, there's a process of getting there. There's a refinement. And that goes along, too, with craftsmanship. When you build something or make something, there's a journey to, to get there. Um, okay, so that's day one. We get light, and also we get day and night. Um, on day two, God separates the, the waters above from the waters below. And so basically we have sky and we have ocean. And again, we see this symmetry. On day three, um, he gathers the water to, and makes land and sea. And again, we've got um, this balance. And we also have these great verbs like gathering and separating. It's God doing something. It's not just happening. And I know it's semantics, but, you know, in 
creation, God is, is taking an active role. Um, and then he commands the earth to produce vegetation. And uh, this is interesting in that he doesn't make trees and plants. He commands the earth to produce them, um, which means his creation, is, it's kinetic, and it, it sort of sustains. Well, I mean, he sustains it, but it goes on its own. Um, which is cool because it gives um, us as humans an opportunity to participate in his creation. You know, we're not just a thing that we he made. We're a thing that he made and we can participate. Um, also, too, it um, it demonstrates that he he tells the earth to produce and the earth produces. Um, it's simple, but it shows that God is good for his word. Like, if he puts something in action, it's going to happen, and we can rely on it. You know, as we rely on, you know, we plant tomatoes, we get tomatoes. That's, every time that happens, every time you look at, you know, an apple or a banana, it's God's word being fulfilled, and that's kind of cool. And also something to keep in mind when we say we're going to do something. You know, are we that reliable? So then day four, um, we get the sun and the moon and the stars. And I think this is interesting in that we've had three days already, but we haven't had a sun and moon and stars. Um, and again, I see this as God's, he's the master of time. He, you know, we have evening and morning, but we don't have sunrise and sunset, you know. And so it's God's populating his universe. Um, I don't want to say it's earth-centric, but it is kind of earth-centric. It's, um, you know, it's sort of the, the, the gem of the creation is planet Earth. And he's building this universe um, around us. And even though we go around the sun, um, he made earth first. Um, and something interesting about the way the sun and the moon are placed are um, during eclipses, the moon blocks the sun perfectly. Um, and even though they're, you know, great distances apart, um, they just happen to be the right size and the right shape that the moon from Earth's point of view, completely blocks out the sun. And um, during eclipses, a lot of what we know about the cosmos, about the stars and the universe, um, is what we can witness through telescopes during an eclipse. Um, and so it, it tells me that God has a discoverable universe. He puts things there so that we can see it. Um, which also suggests that he takes pride in his work, which goes back to, you know, at the end of every day, it was good. Um, he knows what he's doing. He knows his audience, and he's doing it for our benefit. In day five, um, this one we get sea creatures and flying creatures. Um, no flying elephants yet. Um, that comes later. Um, 
And so uh, he tells them, be fruitful and multiply. Um, and they do. And again, it's, this demonstrates that God blesses life. He didn't just dump animals, you know, in the oceans, in the air and say, you're on your own. You know, he tells them to multiply. They do. Um, you know, God, you know, he respects his creation. Um, and then on day six, we get, um, all the land animals, including people. And again, we sort of see this symmetry in that there are animals, there are humans. And then within humans, there's man, there's woman. Again, everything is, it, it's balanced. And, um, you know, he gives mankind dominion over the animals and he gives everything the plants to eat, which is interesting because it's, at this time, it's a very vegetarian world. Um, but again, everything is in, in balance. Um, and then finally, on day seven, God rests. Um, and again, this is interesting because being omnipotent, he doesn't get tired. So why does he need to rest? I, I think there are two reasons, um, possibly three. And again, this is my opinion. Um, so take it with a grain of salt. But I think one is is an example. Um, he doesn't need to rest, but he's resting um, as an example for us. Um, and another reason, I think, is, is appreciation. I think he made all this, um, and it, he deemed it good. He takes pleasure in it. So he's, I think he took a day to just look at what he had made. Um, and I think when we're creating things, it's not only important to rest, but it's important to, you know, be aware of what we're doing. Um, and then, um, yes, that's, that's day seven. Okay, so, um, that breaks down the days and, some a question that I had studying this was, why did God create? I mean, it it spells out exactly what He did, but it never says why He did it. Um, and so I was thinking about this, and if you ask an artist um, or a musician, you know, why they draw or paint or play, um, other than earning a living, they often say. Because I have to. Um, and not to reverse engineer God, but I think if we're made in his image, um, it's probably similar in that he made this world because he had to. Because it, he had to express himself. He's, I think, first a creator who made a creation. And I think sometimes that gets switched around where people think of God is the creator because he created um, but I would argue that he created because he's a creator and he needed to express himself. And so in nature, when we see mountains and rivers and, you know, oceans, these are all expressions of one God's aesthetic. I think these are things that he finds beautiful. But often, too, in scripture, he uses them for metaphor to illustrate things and, you know, 
he creates a mountain because he knows later he's going to use a mountain as an example, you know, or a fountain of life, or, you know, these things, he, he enjoys them, but he also is using them to express his qualities. And I think also when, um, he breathes life into humans. I think we inherited a lot of his unseen qualities. Things like, you know, love, kindness, joy, but I'd also say humor. I mean, you don't see animals laughing, but people laugh. You know, and where does that come from? You know, I would say it came from God. When he put his image in us, we took on some qualities. Um, so, that being said, how do we approach creativity? Um, and again, we, we touched on some of these before. First, it's a process. It's not instant. Um, and so it also takes work. Um, and then, as we create, we need to evaluate, you know, is it good? Is what we're doing good? Um, and if not, the day isn't over yet. Um, and then something I noticed, just the way that Genesis is written, every day doesn't start with the first day. It ends with the first day. But what every day starts with is, and God said, um, so I think whatever we're doing, our day should start with God and then end with that was a day. Um, again, it's, it's, it's semantics, but it's just a pattern that you notice. Every day starts with God. Um, and I think that's good to, to remember. Um, and then, too, just approaching creativity, there's... There's a great verse in Colossians uh, 3.22. It says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is... Lord Christ, you are serving. Anyone who does not, who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. I just like that. Just how it, it says, whatever you do, do it for the Lord. Um, I think in the King James, it uses the word heartily. Um, and I really like that, because it just, you know, it's like, whatever you do, just really get into it. Um, you know, whether you're, you know, creating the next masterpiece or writing an email or making a grilled cheese sandwich. I think, in my opinion, I think these could be acts of worship. If God's at the center of it, um, you know, anything you do, you know, can be an act of worship if you're doing it as you were for the Lord. Um, So now, um, this is where I want to bring... Dumbo into it, if you're wondering how this ties it together. Um, 
if you know um, story, if you've ever done writing or studied composition, you know in stories there are themes. Um, and um, if you have a theme in a story, if it's a good story, every beat of the story, every scene reinforces that theme. Um, and a great example of this is Dumbo. Um, if you know the story, you know there's this little elephant with giant ears. He has a horrible life. Um, and then the climax is when he uses these giant ears to fly. Um, if you look at the opening scene in that movie, um, right after the credits, the first shot in the movie is a storm. And out of the storm flies a stork carrying Dumbo in a bundle. Um, and what's cool about this scene is it's a metaphor for the whole movie. Um, and so just looking at that one scene tells you everything that's going to happen in the movie. There's a storm, there's turmoil, and an elephant flies out of it. I mean, that's the whole movie in a nutshell. And I think um, Genesis is like that, in that it's telling you everything that's going to happen. Um, because, you know, Genesis 1 begins with in the beginning. Um, and when you think about where else in the Bible do we hear in the beginning? Um, and John 1, 1. And I'll read that. Um, John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Um, so, I mean, that's talking about Jesus, but it's also talking about it in terms of creation. So even just God's first act, let there be light, the first words that kicked off creation, is it's a metaphor for everything that's going to happen later. Um, when Christ comes. And I think that that's cool. And again, it shows that God is a God of process. Um, when he creates something, he has the beginning and he's got the end in mind. Um, and then later, when Jesus is baptized, um, in Matthew 3, I'll read this. It says, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice said from heaven, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am very well pleased. What does that sound like? It sounds like at the end of every day, God said, It is good. And so I think here, God again is saying, Here's something else that is good. Again, sort of bookending creation. Um, and then just in the terms of, of light, um, you know, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Um, and again, you know, from Genesis, it's like light makes everything possible. You know, not only does it reveal things, but it, it's the start of time. It, you know, gives life. Um, and so, um, 
Yeah, what I get from Genesis is not only just, you know, here's what happened. It's sort of an example of, of a work ethic. Um, but it also um, shows us the point of it all. And it's, it's life with, with Christ and how, um, you know, the generations have gone by and the life that God breathed into us originally has sort of, you know, degraded. Um, but with Christ, um, you know, he says um, we are a new creation. And so, um, you know, daily, because of in God's big picture, you know, we get that renewal. Um, so that's all I've got. Um, let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your creation. Thank you for this world that we live in, even if it is temporary. Lord, thank you for having a big picture in mind and a process for us. Um, Lord, thank you for your plan of salvation and for having that in mind from the beginning. Um, and Lord, as, as we go out, please help us, whatever we're doing, um, to keep you as the focus of it and at the center of it. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.